Welcome to Backroom Talk. Topic for today, though, we're going to talk a little bit about OPEC's work or the 10-minute assault bike from Max Cal. Yeah, so the 10-minute assault bike is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, you get on, on an assault bike and you accumulate as many calories as you possibly can over a 10-minute time period. Muscular limitations. Um, you might have you might have a client come off the assault bike and they're like, man, my legs are really burning. They we do that 10-minute assault bike test with them initially to get some insight. And then maybe you retest it once a year. Maybe you don't even do that because they're seeing improvements and they're feeling great. To listen to more Backroom Talk, be sure to subscribe. Learn to design personalized programs with the OPEX system of coaching by heading to opexfit.com. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Backroom Talk. I'm Georgia here with Carl. Carl is in the background playing with the dials on the audio and just uh, totally trying to throw us off this afternoon. Yeah, I'm just trying to hear hear you a little bit louder today, you know? Louder. Okay, louder, so long yeah. as you're not turning me down so you can't hear I'm me. Just like, oh. Gosh, we get it, Georgia. Yeah. <laughs> well, before we dive into the episode for today, I did want to make mention of the fact we just dropped a new free guide. As we do at OPEX, we put out a lot of awesome free educational resources uh, for fitness coaches and people who just like to learn about this stuff. So brand new guide that has just uh, gone out is our uh, macro guide. I'm trying to remember the exact name of it. Give me a second. I'm going to pull it up. Uh, I think it's how to calculate TDEE and macros for oh, clients. I thought it was something like know yo macros. Know yo macros. No yo. You can't even say that. It you is. You can't even say no, no yo. yo. <laughs> no yo. <laughs> In all seriousness, the guide is calculating TDEE and macros for clients. Uh, it is a goodie, if I do say so myself. Uh, we're breaking down some principles of uh, how to determine how much someone needs to eat in the day. Uh, and then how to determine how much protein, carbs, and fats they should eat to uh, go ahead and meet that goal. I'll give a little example in there. It's pretty relevant advice around this time in January when people have uh, typically got some nutrition goals they're trying to hit. So we hope it's helpful. We'll drop a link in the description and you guys can go check it out. Yeah, man. Do it. Yeah, do it. Yeah, man. Do it. Uh, topic for today, though, we're going to go and head and talk a little bit about OPEC's work or the 10-minute assault bike from Max Cal. So this this is a staple. If you've uh, been yeah. around OPEX for a while, you've probably done this test. If you're an OPEX coach, you've certainly put people through this test. Uh, and if you don't know what we're talking about, go uh, go ahead, go to the gym, get a 10-minute, get, get an assault bike, get on that thing for 10 minutes nope, and just nope, go. Nope. You got to sign up for CCP. Well, you gotta get in Get in CCP. If, if, you, if, if, if you know, you know, right? If you don't know, get in the know. To get in the know, join CCP or like Georgia was saying, get on a bike and ride it for 10 minutes. Yeah. But if you really want to <laughs> understand why you would do that and what to do with that data, then you got to do CCP and we're enrolling right now. Yes. So yes. click the link in the description, apply to CCP, make it happen. You're not on camera, Georgia. I'm not, but I was just like <laughs> doing a whole like thing with my body, <laughs> a little like smile and a wiggle. <laughs> <sighs> so... What is the 10-minute assault bike, also known as uh, OPEX work, and why do we do it, Carl? Yeah, so the 10-minute assault bike is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, you get on, on an assault bike, and you accumulate as many calories as you possibly can over a 10-minute time period. Um, the reason why we do it is we want to understand uh, a human's work capacity um, or their ability to output work. Um, 
So, you know, just like all work capacity tests, it's like there's a an objective measure that we look at. We look at uh, total calories accumulated. We also look at average RPM over that time. Uh, we'll get into that in a little bit later um, in terms of why that number could be important if you're going to program against this stuff. Um, and, you know, so the, that's the obvious answer is the objective measure. The not so obvious answer that we go a lot deeper into in CCP is other measures that are that are not so objective, the subjective measures and doing work. Uh, you can learn a lot about a person by seeing them just do a tough, a tough physical task. Um, the emotions that they approach that thing with, uh, the ex you can you can kind of gauge their experience in doing work by the way they approach it, by the way uh, their facial expressions are halfway through as they finish the questions that you ask them when they're done. Um, the, you know, as you're setting them up for the test, the emotions that, that are going through their head, or if they're just completely, um, ignorant to how tough this thing could be. And they could just be like super happy, go lucky because they've never done hard work before. And then it hits them in the face at two minutes in like, oh my gosh, I have to go for 10 minutes on this thing. So there's a lot of things that you can extrapolate from, uh, a simple work capacity test. We're going to talk in a bit about like how you'd actually progress this thing. So what does it look like to improve someone's score on the 10 minute assault bike? But I'd like to take a second to just like talk about the avatars you see. Like what are the what are the big like buckets? Not of scores. You know, some people get 50, some people get 200. But when someone goes to approach that thing and you see like the emotion prior, what's happening during and then how they look after. What are some of the, those like avatars that you've observed over the years? Oh man, this is a good question. Um, man, it's been quite a few years since I've done this with like a robust amount of people. Um, but uh, I just remember giving this to to a lot of a lot of people. We give to everyone that came into our facilities, and uh, a couple avatars that come to mind. Avatar number one is the um, the. <laughs> Let's just call let's call her like uh, the 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 aerobic Jane or the or the one that just like loves to sweat, mm -hmm. loves the challenge, loves to get after it. And this this avatar doesn't even have like a a body type or anything like that. It's more of like a uh, like a fire. Um, and gosh, I've had a couple of these of these clients, and they're just they just look at everything as like a, a challenge. Right. Uh, they're, they're coming from like, you know, doing like body weight aerobics classes, uh, cycling classes, things like that. And they're just like they just love getting after it. Um, and this avatar will get on and they'll 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 go too hard. Um, they'll they'll figure it out. Um, they'll get a decent score. Um, they'll get off of it. They're sweating all over the place. And it was just exhilarating. Um, and they're just like, I can't wait to t get better at that thing and test it again. Um then you have like your your total uh, work capacity newbie, right? Where the person has never really done work before. And again, this, this avatar comes in all different shapes and sizes and they get on the bike. They're kind of uncertain, maybe a little nervous because they haven't done work before, but they're not nervous enough because they've, because they've never done work. They don't know what this thing could, could turn into. And this person will get on and they're going at like, you know, 50, 55 RPM for the first minute. And you're just like, okay, gosh, I wish I could tell them to go faster, but I'm just going to let them roll and let's get through this assessment. And then you get to like two minutes in and they're starting to like slow down. You're like, what the heck is going on? Right? Like in your head, you're not saying this. 
and they get to like five minutes and they're just like going through mud, like barely able to go. They're like 35 RPM. And then they get to like eight minutes and they're, they're, the, the, the bike is barely moving. They, they just want to like get off and like take a breather and they get off and they feel, they feel nauseous. They feel like they're going to throw up. And the reason that this person feels like this is because they've never really done work in their life before. So in our eyes, we look at like their RPM and their effort and it, it looks like they're going nice and easy, but there's so many things that are going on physiologically in their bodies as they're turning the pedals and they're, you know, pushing and pulling the handles, uh, their body doesn't know what's happening. So it's just like this rush of just like adrenaline, fatigue, lactic acid, hydrogen ion, like everything's just going through their bodies and they feel like they're just going to throw up. Um, so that's like the newbie, the person that's never really done work before. Um, let me give you one more avatar. Yeah, let's I take could, one I could, pr- more. I could probably There's so go. Many yeah, I could ones. probably go for like an hour here. Uh-huh. Uh, the next one is like the, the, uh, the, the, the person that just, the person that just, uh, always has something to prove, um, and always goes a little bit too hard. Uh, this person may have played a sport in their previous life. Uh, this person could be like, you know, 25 to 55. Um, this person is fairly fit. Um, they're powerful enough to hurt themselves. Um, they get on the bike. Everything's good. You're like sizing up the bike for them. Like, yeah, yeah, man. I know. I've I've ridden this all bike before. I'm all good. I got it. Uh, Ten minutes. Okay, got it. You're like going. You're setting the screen. Like, oh, I got it. I'll set the screen. I know how to do all this. Like, I've, I've this is my first rodeo. And they come out of the gate and they're like 85 RPM for the first 60 seconds. And then they're 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 holding it. And you're like, there's no way they're gonna hold over a minute. And they hold three minutes at 85 RPM. And then they're just going through mud and they start to look like that newbie looked at eight minutes in, but they're only three minutes in and they're just like barely finishing and they get to like eight minutes. And some of this, some of, some of the individuals inside of this avatar, um, in this, inside of this example, they'll get off at eight minutes. Yeah. Others, they'll just like, they'll keep going and they'll just like hands will go behind their head and their legs will just be moving like 10 RPM. Uh, and they're just like, yeah, I just need a minute to get it back and then I'll finish strong. But they never finished strong, of course, because they just, uh, they blew it all in the first three minutes. Um, and that person, uh, doesn't get a great score. doesn't get the worst score, but it's the worst performance out of the three avatars because they don't know how to sustain work. Um, and then you get the, sorry, I know I said one, four, uh, three avatars, one more. Yeah. You get the one that has a lot of experience and understands, uh, you know, how that stuff feels and they understand how to sustain work and they go there and they may undershoot it a little bit or just like nail it. Uh, but that person, they understand, they understand how to coordinate work on an assault bike and they go for 10 minutes. They likely have a decent to good score. Um, and for that person, they're just like strategizing in their head and they're thinking about if I were to do that again, I would do this to get an additional five to 10 calories. Yeah, I'd add one more. And that's that person who is probably like a beginner who's not completely out of shape, has like some capacity, but has never really like done anything that challenging. And they like, they go way too easy from the start. And then they get off the bike and they're like smiling and happy and talking right Mm -hmm. away. And you're like, whoo. If only you, you know, learned how to dig a little bit more. Yeah. We got, we got some, we got some stuff to learn here. Mm-hmm. I'd say that person like that, I guess, third avatar you described, the, the real fire breather, former athlete. 
85 RPM for three minutes, that person's the hardest to work with. Mm -hmm. Like getting them out of that mindset of uh, redlining from from the get-go and teaching them how to pace, those clients are the hardest. I would much rather take someone who's an underpacer who spends 10 minutes at like 44 RPMs, has a great time, gives you a high five at the end. Like I love that client. I can teach them to ramp it up a little bit as needed, Mm -hmm. but bringing that other person down is tough. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, what do we do with the data? What do we actually, uh, how does how does 10-minute assault bike impact program design? Let's spend just a minute on that. Um, gosh, sometimes it doesn't at all. Yeah, sometimes it doesn't at all. It informs it. Um, you know, sometimes there's not a direct correlation to like, okay, I need to know the calories that we accumulate. I need to the RPM. And then I'm going to transfer it over to Coach RX over here. And now we're using, it, it doesn't always work like that. We're going to talk about some examples when it does, when we talk about progressing and getting better at it. But most of the time, it just gives you some really good insight into how people enjoy or not work mm-hmm. and uh, one's experience outside of what they tell you their experiences and work. Um, a good example of that is, uh, you know, uh, you know, before we start to get fast with people in aerobic work, we want to make sure that they have uh, a decent amount of exposure and that they can go slow for a really long period of time. The person that the person that's the the fire breather that we talked about, uh, that person may never have never done anything that that's that's been over 15 minutes in their entire life. They're just like go 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 go. Maybe they played like football and in high school or something like that. And, you know, everything they did was very, very anaerobic. Um, and they lifted some weights and they've never done anything for a long period of time in terms of uh, work capacity. So for that person, they might that with them approaching that piece like that, it might tell you like, Hey, we need to slow down and we need to make sure that we put some limitations in there. So we ensure that they slow down limitation being, I want you to do activity a for 60 minutes. Um, if, if you're telling someone they have to do something for 60 minutes nonstop, um, they're going to self-regulate pacing and they're going to get better <laughs> at pacing in 60 minutes. They're not going to come out at 85 RPM for the first three minutes. Cause they know when their brains like, man, 10 minutes felt like that. How would 60 feel? Um, so there's some like indirect things or some, uh, some informing in program design. And then we'll talk about it later, but there's also some, uh, direct, direct pieces where we're bringing those things directly into uh, program design. Awesome. All right. Should we uh, talk about some of the limitations that one might observe uh, coming off that test? Yeah, definitely. We've uh, we've talked about these a bunch. So let's let's talk through the limitations. Uh, what someone might feel, or like how you would identify this is the limitation that you or your client is feeling, and then let's talk about some ideas or like strategies on. Uh, some things you might want to implement in program design to sure up those limitations. Sounds good. Cool. Uh, first one. Yeah, um, let's do it. Let's start with uh, muscles, right? So, muscular limitations. Um, you might have you might have a client come off the assault bike and they're like, "Man, my legs are really burning. They feel like they're going to explode. There's a lot of blood in them. It feels like they're about to cramp up." Or you might even have people that say that about their arms. Because remember, the the assault bike isn't just a um, lower body uh, specific um, implement. We're also using our upper body as well. So someone might experience those things in their upper body and in their arms as well. So are we listing out limitations or are we going to talk a little bit about how that could Uh, affect program design? Yeah, let's go. 
let's go right into just so we can stick on each limitation. Yeah. Let's hit program design. I just wanted to stop just in case you had anything no, to add. No, all good. All okay. good here. So uh, we've identified that muscle endurance is the limitation for this individual. Yep. Awesome. And, yep. So legs burning, arms burning. What do we need to do in design? Uh, strength endurance training. Yep. Right. So we're not, we're talking about actual resistance training yep. yeah, a, yeah. away from the assault bike, not exactly. on the assault bike. Yep. So higher volume training and resistance. Um, obviously the prerequisite here is that this person has like awesome control, um, in motor units across the board, across all patterns or the patterns that they're trying to improve. Um, so just some, some strength endurance training and resistance. Um, also this person could hit some incremental type sets in on the assault bike. Um, so incremental sets, it's just, you know, you do set one and then you get faster set two and then you get faster set three and then you get set faster set four. And the idea here is if muscle endurance is the limitation, what's going to bring about that limitation? Um, you know, higher intensity aerobic work will bring about that, that limitation. So you can actually get more intense intra-session, uh, not intra-set, but intra-session, um, and bring that limitation on and work on that limitation session by session by session. Um, another piece would be just like, uh, let's call it like aerobic threshold sessions. So ho holding high RPMs, high-ish RPMs, still sustainable work, uh, still aerobic work, but really pushing that threshold. So an example would be, you know, if, uh, if 70 RPM for three and a half minutes is challenging for you, you're doing... 70 rpm for three minutes and you're doing that for eight sets 10 sets 12 sets right so you're like flirting with threshold for you um and you're doing that for extended sets as well with the idea that eventually you're going to extend that out past that 330 point where the limitation was yeah we'll get into progression in a second but yeah you can extend it out in time where you can increase the you can increase the intensity while keeping the time the exact same awesome Yep. All right. But the goal is you're just accumulating a lot of volume. Yeah. Right. So, um, you know, do I hold this? No, I'll say it now. So we'll, we'll, we'll probably mention again, we talk about yeah. the specific uh, tactics, but volume is really important. So it's not only about, you know, we, we're talking about a 10 minute test. Can you do two minute pieces for 12 weeks and get better at a 10 minute piece? Some people would be like, oh, I don't know, because the person's never working for 10 minutes, right? So like, how are they going to get better at that pace? They got better at that pace. And, and we're, we're, we are assuming that that person knows their 10 minute pace, right? That, per, that person has like, um, progressed down that continuum. They've done long work. They're doing two work, two minutes of work now specifically to get better at the 10 minute assault bike and to shore up muscle endurance. So they can go really hard aerobically for two minutes rest two, do that for six, rest five, do that for another six, rest five, do that for another six, right? Like someone can build a lot of volume in two minute pieces and get really good at the 10 minute assault bike without touching 10 minute intervals because they already have that gear. Mm -hmm. So there's just, just so many different ways to to approach that and to improve those things. For sure. And it's figuring out what is the right way for that one client in front of you that's the challenge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll get, I keep saying it, but we'll get to that. We we'll will get, get to, that. to that. We'll get to that. All right, limitation number two. Uh, let's talk about lungs. Yeah, figure um, we're going breathing next. Yeah, so lungs. Lungs are the limitation. So with this person, they're 
not able to catch their breath. Yep. Right. So you're like next to them, they're doing their test, or maybe it's you, and you just realize like, oh my gosh, it feels like I'm suffocating. Mm-hmm. I can't catch my breath. I can't get enough respirations in. Um, their chest feels like it's going to explode, right? Like lungs are just filled and they just can't empty them. Um, those are just some signs like, yeah, lungs might be a limitation in this test for you. How do we approach that long, easy work, right? Like we need, uh, there's a lot of coordination that occurs with, with the lungs. Um, you know, us moving, uh, going through that push and pull pattern, and that, that push and pull pattern with the arms and the push and pull pattern with the legs, there's a lot of coordination that's occurring when we're doing that on the assault bike uh, in terms of coordinating that with our breathing. So there's some people that might be great, uh, you know, rowing. You might have a great rower that's like they have the coordination down of like, you know, um, I'm pulling then the catch going back down you know what i mean mm-hmm. back and forth and back got and forth breathing built yeah. in with rhythm around that yep they're like i'm i stick at 28 strokes per minute i know i'm taking you know one to two breaths per stroke and they're just like they just have a really nice rhythm in there and then now they get to like 75 rpm and everything's just happening too fast i'm pushing and pulling with my arms and my legs and i can't coordinate everything and i just get out of breath really quickly so this person might just need to do a lot of coordination work um, and do a lot of long, easy work and really coordinate the push and the pull, the push and the pull, the push and the pull, and then get intense over time while keeping that coordination down packed. Um, volume. Uh, I know we kind of just talked about it in the last one, but uh, just volume on the assault bike might help this person uh, with that coordination. Uh, lower map cyclical sets is another piece. So the idea here is you're challenging your breath, right? So if someone has great coordination uh, for five-minute intervals, but anytime they get down to two-minute intervals, their breath gets out of control. That's okay. They just have to they just have to progress from five minutes to two minutes, and what comes in terms of the increase in intensity as well. Um, so lower map uh, cyclical sets could be beneficial, and then just uh, just really learning how to breathe as well. Just practicing breathing without doing any other physical activity. Just practicing could be beneficial. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen, uh, I've observed this in myself, honestly, but also seen it play out um, in another a number of individuals is anxiety around mm-hmm. breath and no, like really getting like tense and anxious when respiration starts to rise. And rather than leaning into that and being okay with a faster breath rate, they start to tense up yeah. and perhaps they stop breathing altogether. Mm-hmm. And that is the thing that like, you know, pushes them over the, over the edge yeah. and why that becomes a limitation. So teaching people it's okay to breathe at a faster rate yeah. for different kinds of work as well. Fuck, I think yeah. It's a fun if our thing. bodies are telling us to breathe faster, there's a reason we need to get more O2 mm-hmm. in the system. Um, the worst thing, and I think this might be what you're saying, but the worst thing I think is when people try to quote unquote control their breathing. It's like, relax, control your breathing. It's like, what do you mean? My heart rate is like 190 and you want me to control my breathing? I need to breathe hard. I need to breathe fast because I need to get oxygen so I can keep doing the thing that I'm doing right now. So controlling your breathing uh, is probably one of the worst pieces of advice for someone that's doing like intense aerobic work. Nasal breathing only, Carl. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say it, uh, but I did think about it. Yeah. 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 yeah like, like really thinking about, I need to breathe a certain way. I need to breathe through my nose, out of my mouth or through my mouth and out of my nose or I need to control. It's like, 
do what you have to do to get air in, yep. right? Like just do it. Breathe through your nose and your mouth at the same time. Maybe alternate. Whatever feels good and whatever keeps you the most relaxed and keeps your heart rate down, uh, do that. Definitely. I mean, we, we do develop dysfunctional breathing habits through posture, through lifestyle, through stress, through so many other things. Carl just like got all straight and uh, his shoulders are back and he's breathing into his belly now, not into his chest. Okay. There we go. Ooh, that was, was a, loud. Sorry, guys, about yeah, breathing good, into that. Rude. So that does happen, um, but trying to fix that in the moment on the assault bike when yeah. all someone needs to do is like just relax and breathe is not the time to do it. Like mm-hmm. do it laying on the floor prior to or after. Spend some time working on functional breathing patterns, yeah. but don't make that person who's taking their 10-minute assault bike nasal breathe because uh, they're probably just going to pass out. Yeah, and, and when we talk about coordination, it's like that's a beautiful thing to hear when you're trying to coordinate all those movements is your breath, right? Like to actually hear your breathing and breathe hard, breathe long, breathe however you have to breathe to continue doing what you're doing right now. Um, You know, mess around with breathing, like you said, outside of that, but you can also mess around with your breathing and training. And, you know, if you have intervals and you're supposed to be holding 72 RPM, mess around with your breathing and see what makes holding that 72 RPM easier or harder. Mm -hmm. Um, Like for me, if I try to like, control my breathing like in through the nose out through the mouth, and like coordinate that way i see my power drop like immediately um and if i were like a heart rate monitor i would see my heart rate increase as i'm trying to quote unquote control that during training but yeah it's a good opportunity to mess around with those things for sure so we've identified that breathing uh, may be the limitation we've talked about some of the ways uh that broadly you could address that in program design it sounds like sometimes it's a coordination issue where it's breathing on the assault bike sometimes it's just a breathing issue where someone Mm -hmm. needs to work on the ability to breathe in general in that case i'm guessing it's not just the assault bike that might be helping they could be doing some work on the rower they could be going out for a walk they could Mm -hmm. be doing all kinds of other cyclical activities with the goal of improving the efficiency of the lungs exactly yeah anything else there um no the, the last one, or second to last one I'd want to hit on is, uh, let's just call it like heart. Um, and this is, this connects to the lungs, this connects to muscles, because we're talking about circulation and how the circulatory system's working while we're putting out this uh, quite intense amount of work. Um, some some uh, specific signs that, that you could understand if your heart rate is, or your heart is the limiter is, just your heart rate is really high. Um, you know, if you're if you're on the bike and you're 90 seconds in and you notice that you're at 190 beats per minute and you don't work well being at 190 beats per minute, which there are some people that can work very effectively at 190. Uh, but if you notice that that heart rate is higher than usual, heart might heart and circulation might be an issue with you. Um, you cannot sustain or increase RPM due to this limitation would be another sign. So if you if it feels like your heart is like beating out of your chest, like breathing is fine, but you just feel like you're not getting enough circulation. And then this goes to the muscle piece, right? It's like, what if, what if we have a, a quote unquote muscle endurance limitation, but that's actually starting in the heart, right? Um, what if, you know, every time you feel like your legs are going to explode, you first feel like your heart's going to just explode out of your chest. Um, and you notice that you're at the 190 or 200 beats per minute. 
Um, those are just some signs that it, it might be a heart or circulation um, limitation. Um, again, long, easy work for this one. Um, aerobic threshold sessions again. And step method work uh, could be really beneficial here. So step method work is, let's just call it, that it would be intra-set um, incremental uh, pieces. So, you know, you might be going, you know, one minute at a certain wattage or RPM, and then your next minute you're stepping that up, and then your next minute you're stepping that up, so on and so forth. And then you're doing that for multiple sets, and you're seeing those increases uh, intra-set. I know this sounds uh, like kind of a small factor, but, you know, the experience of being dehydrated and trying to do tough work and that like jump in heart rate, like mm -hmm. can't control this thing that's beating in my chest kind of feeling. Yep. That's sometimes worth a conversation with clients yeah. too. Like yeah, what is hydration sure. status? Uh, Cause the amount of people that are dehydrated, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if those guys have some crazy heart rates going on. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, and that one we would see, we would see issues across the board, uh, bringing us to our last point. So what if, it was multiple limitations um, or you just didn't understand what the limitation was. It could be something one off like that, right? It's like, it could be something very acute where it's just like, I was just very dehydrated that day. It showed as uh, muscle, it showed as lungs and it show, showed as heart or circulation. Um, but it could have just been an acute, uh, uh, an acute event of being dehydrated. Um, but if someone falls into this multiple limitations piece, they might just need a lot of exposure on the bike itself. Um, and, you know, the best way that we like to give people exposure is, you know, the map 10 to 1 continuum, right? It's like, you know, just go go on that thing and, and spin for 60 minutes, right? We got that. Cool. Now let's do it for 30, but a little bit faster. Now let's do it for 15, but a little bit faster than that. And we could do that for like 75 weeks through this continuum all the way down to 30 seconds. For sure. For that person, we're unlikely to be like, okay, let's do this really targeted eight-week progression where we're doing two and a half minute intervals at race pace uh, to improve your 10-minute assault bike. You're just going to give them that 10 to 1 progression, test the 10-minute assault bike intermittently. And most likely, if they are, you know, probably novice, new to pacing work, they are going to see improvements there. Yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. Cool. So right. those are those are limitations and uh, some things that stick out in terms of what what we could look at in ourselves and in our clients when implementing this test. Got it. So to summarize, we've got the muscles, muscle endurance. Yep, got we the got muscles. the lungs, breathing. <laughs> we got heart rate, and then we got some kind of uh, crazy hybrid combo. All <laughs> all of the three. Carl's like shaking his body. It's <laughs> a lot of uh, actions going on today. Yeah. What's next? Uh, let's talk about. Um, some of these will, I mean, all of these will connect to limitations, but let's disconnect from the limitations and let's talk about some ways that we can uh, progress the 10-minute assault bike. Sounds fun. We uh, we put a 10-minute assault bike program in LearnRx. So there's a pretty cool new section in LearnRx for those that are subscribers. Uh, it's the programs tab up the top. Go check it out. But we have laid out some, uh, you know, six, eight, 10, 12, whatever it might be, week progressions inside of there. So anyone that is a subscriber gets access to those things. So if you're not, go do it. Go go subscribe to LearnRx. Yeah, do it. Do it. All right. What's the first way one might progress? Let's uh, talk about the one that's in LearnRx. Let's talk yes. about uh, race pace with the idea of increasing pacing. Sounds good. Uh, per session. So steps in implementing this program. First, you test the 10-minute assault bike. Mm -hmm. uh, you find average RPM or race pace. 
Um, you split work time by a quarter. So work time in the test is 10 minutes. When we go to, to program this, and this ends up in our, in our training programs in CoachRx, we're doing two minute and 30 second intervals. And we incrementally add RPMs per session or every few sessions. So for example, um, I test Georgia in the 10 minute assault bike. She comes in at 80 RPM average. Good job, Georgia. That is very impressive. That is. I'm impressed <laughs> with me too. So her, her average race pace would be those 80. Um, that'd be like 200 and 215, 25 calories. That'd be That's up a there. Lot. That's yeah. uh, almost double my score. Not quite. That'd be up there. Um, so we split that work into one quarter. So, all right, Georgia, week one, you're going to do a two minute and 30 minute assault bike. And you're going to do that at 80 RPM. Easy. We're going to rest. Let's just call it one to one. Mm -hmm. 230 for easy math because mm -hmm. i know you know once you're tired you don't want to do all that math um you're going to do that for four sets and then you're going to rest five minutes and then you're going to do that for two blocks so eight total sets at that intensity cool i got it I next can do week that. next week you're ready for next week Ooh, i'm not sure you're ready all, all right. right next week you're gonna come in and we're gonna do 230 and we're gonna go plus one rpm so we're gonna go 81, 81 rpm spicy yeah we're gonna rest for the same amount of time we're going to then rest for five minutes, and we're going to do that for two blocks. Week three, you ready? Hit me. All right, we're going to go plus two to three RPM of 10-minute pace, right? So now you're at 82 to 83 RPM, and you're kind of just feeling this thing out. So you guys get it, right? Like we're going to increase over time, um, and we're going to increase the intensity or RPM per session or every few sessions, and we're going to keep it uh, at 230. So the intervals are going to stay at 2.30. And we can or cannot increase volume. In this example, we're not going to increase volume. Everything's staying the same except for intensity and RPM. And then we're going to do that for, let's call it eight weeks. It's nice and even. Then we're going to do a little bit of a deload week. And then we're going to test you in the 10-minute assault bike. But with this example, we're also giving, uh, we're also giving Georgia a um, a long piece so you're doing this on thursday mm -hmm. right? so thursday is your assault bike day on monday you're doing a long assault bike so we're gonna go 30 minutes week one we're gonna go 40 minutes week two we're gonna so on and so forth so we're gonna go 30 35 40 45 so we're just doing volume on the assault bike so not only are you getting faster on the assault bike monday is like your coordination practice day right so if like we're sitting in our consultation we're talking about what's monday versus Thursday, we're like, okay, Monday is your time to get really comfortable on the bike. I want you to mess around with breathing. I want you to perfect that stuff. I want you to feel really good when you get off. It's nice and easy work. I want you to build a little bit of a sweat. So we're just accumulating volume on the bike two days a week. Easy. What happens if someone gets a few weeks into something like that and they can't sustain the RPMs you've got laid out there? Like they can't go up next week. Yeah. You know, I get to 83 yeah. and I'm like, nope, it's not going to happen. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Do you just let them continue at 83 until they can get to 84? Or do you play with other variables? Uh, I wouldn't play. Me personally, I wouldn't play with other variables if the goal was to increase uh, pace over that time. Um, I would go back and do the same thing again. And that's why I said every week, maybe two weeks, uh, because we don't adapt that quickly. Most of us don't. Like we're not getting an entire RPM increase every single session. So for someone that's super advanced, there might be three sessions at the same RPM. And then we're going to take it up. And we're not even going to say 80 to 80. We're not even going to go 80 to 81. We're going to say uh, 
80 to 81, right? So it's like, it's okay if you flirt with 81, but if you end up at 80 per, for a super advanced individual, um, cause if someone's really fast, right. And you're like, okay, you just put out a really good score and we want to really improve this thing by 1%, uh, which is challenging to do for a lot of really good scores. Uh, you have to take that approach. You can't just imagine that they're just going to get, they're going to go, go, they're going to adapt and get faster every single week. So that's why I would say every few weeks, uh, mess around with that, that shift for more advanced individuals. Love it. So that was our, uh, increasing pace, uh, example. Yep. Should we go into another one? Yeah. Next is, uh, I'll, I'll roll through this one cause yeah, it's very similar. It. Uh, race pace with increasing volume plus pace. So this one isn't best practice because I don't know, best practice in my own brain, because I only like to move one variable per week, because if something goes wrong, uh, one week, it's like, it's so easy to understand what that thing was. But if we're increasing two, three, four things every week or adjusting two, three, four things every week, we have no idea what went wrong. Um, but this is an example of race pace, increasing volume plus pace. So step number one, we test. Step number two, again, we find that average RPM or race pace. We're still going to split that work time into one quarter, so 230. Uh, and now we're going to incrementally increase RPM per session or every few sessions plus volume per session or every few sessions. Or you can do a staggered approach where you go uh, RPM, volume, RPM, volume, RPM, volume, or vice versa. Um, so, yeah, this would be the, the same idea. So if Georgia came in and she came in at 80 RPM, uh, we go 230, uh, rest 230, times 4, rest 5, times 2, uh, week 1. And then week 2, let's say we're going to go to uh, 245 at 81 RPM. Okay. Right? And then you can kind of see how that, that's going to increase over time. So we can stagger it or we can increase RPM and uh, volume per session. I like it. And then you could do it the other way as well. Um, so you could do... Um, uh, so we said increasing volume plus pace. We can just go volume static. So it'd be the same example as number one. RPM stays the same, but we just increase volume over time. The reason why I don't absolutely love this one, because you're just getting the person back to 10 minutes eventually at the same exact RPM that they just tested. So that is a strategy. I don't love it, though, because you're training just to get the exact same score, if that makes sense. For Someone sure. will probably get faster. They'll get a better score because they're just putting in so much intentional volume and pace work on the bike. But if you go from 230 to 10 at 80 RPM, you're still at 80 RPM. You're still at your race pace. It does make sense if you have that person that, like, wanted to die on the bike though like they finished and they were pale as a sheet they went mm -hmm. in the corner and they puked like they just had a miserable experience in that situation you might not be training to like improve the score you might be training to improve how you feel <laughs> post bike right yeah 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 um gosh for sure but for that person it's like why even redo the 10 minute for sure or why not just do a bunch of long training yes. right? a, a bunch of long work and then come back and train it or yes. come back and hit it which is what we spoke about before right for yeah that, for that person that's yeah, just yeah. a total train wreck uh -huh. they're probably going through 10 to 1 mm -hmm. progression anyway and not really targeted at assault yeah, bike yeah, intervals yeah. yep it's the person that's a little more intermediate advanced that you got to get really targeted on uh yep. the specific test and make sure intervals match with that mm -hmm. yeah it's weird too right it's like there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of similarities in 
you know, uh, just call it aerobic training and resistance training. Uh, we've had the tonnage conversation before. It's like, can you get someone stronger over a long period of time doing only accumulation or high volume phases? It's like, yes, because they accumulate a lot of tonnage. If that person is very, very advanced, doing tens isn't going to get them stronger. It's the same idea. If someone's very, very advanced in aerobic work, doing 60 minutes on the assault bike isn't going to make their 10-minute assault bike test better, right? They're going to have to get faster because their limitation when they do try to get faster is going to be something like we talked about earlier in the episode, right? It's like now their heart and their lungs and the coordination of all those things at such a high rate, they just don't know how to respond to that stuff. So there's some there's some similarities, in my opinion, in aerobic work and resistance training. Definitely. I mean, when it comes to retesting, obviously, you've got to be more targeted in the actual design leading up to it if you want a better result. But you're probably spacing that out further than you would for mm-hmm. a novice client. Like yeah. that advanced client isn't going to retest their assault bike every four weeks. Mm-hmm. You probably could do that with a novice client and yeah. they'd be fine. Yep. Yeah, it's and like, see uh, improvements. Yeah, it's that's you know that's I remember we saw a lot of those uh, beginner gains and OPEX work with those people. Those those uh, the first couple avatars that I talked about with uh, the person that didn't have a bunch of exposure or the person that had no exposure. Um, every time that person retested their ten minute assault bike, it was just like they were super happy to see that much progress and. You know, we're in the coach's office. Like, you do realize no matter what you gave them, they would have seen that progress, right? Yeah, okay, cool, <laughs> right? Um, but it's still, it's like, you know, people celebrate that stuff and, you know, we shouldn't take it away just because they're new. No. Um, but you just need to know as a coach, it's going to be more difficult to see those improvements as your client gets more advanced. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, take us through the next example. All right, next one is going to be a simple map five to one. Okay, so uh, for, so MAP, maximum aerobic power, uh, that's the continuum that we use in CCP. So MAP 5 is about 30 minutes of work, and MAP 1 is about 30 seconds of work. So we're taking them from almost race pace all the way down to 30 seconds. And then this is going the other way, right? We talked about increasing volume uh, per set. Now we're decreasing volume. So number one, we test, we understand race pace. Number two, we find average RPM, race pace. And we start at map five. So we're going to call this three minutes. So we're already starting challenging because I'm, I'm going to challenge this person to start at their race pace for three minutes of work, not two minutes and 30 seconds of work. Okay. So let's, let's just keep using Georgia because she's really fit. So uh, starting at map five. So Georgia's 80 RPM. So she's going to go three minute intervals at 80 RPM. And she's going to spend eight weeks there. And... What are we going to do? We're going to go above and we're going to use one of those strategies over those eight weeks. How are we going to progress those eight weeks? Let's just say for Georgia, we are going to get faster every two weeks. Okay. So Georgia is going to spend two weeks, three minutes, 80 RPM. And then we're going to go two weeks just because this is pretty intense for this time frame. We're going to go two weeks. We're going to go 80 to 81 RPM. It's okay if not every piece that you hit inside of this is exactly 81. Uh, but I want to see 81 on the screen um, most of the time. Um, you're going to do that for two weeks and then 80, uh, 81 to 82 for two weeks, so on and so forth, all the way until t- we get to eight weeks. Now we're going to go to map four. So map four, we're two minutes. We're going to do the same thing, eight weeks. And then we're going to go to map three, 90 seconds, eight weeks. Then we're going to go to map two and then map one. Eventually we're going to be at 30 seconds of work 
And where is that RPM going to be? It's not going to be linear, right? It's like just because I said we're going to increase RPM by one every two weeks in MAP5 doesn't mean that that's going to happen throughout the entire program. Um, we may have to get, we may get to MAP2 and we're like, man, we are, we're rolling right now. This is super intense. We're going to go four weeks at the same RPM and then we'll bump it up zero to one and then we'll go another four weeks and then when we get to map one we're like okay so you could be ending this thing at 95 rpm for 30 seconds times 40 sets yeah. in in a in a in one session Ooh. right is that person going to get better at 10 minutes of work because they just got really good at 30 seconds of work maybe maybe right because depending on what the limitation was let's say the limitation was muscle endurance for you fuck fuck yeah excuse my language fuck yeah right like if muscle endurance in the legs was the limitation in 10 minutes of work at 80 rpm you're at 95 rpm for 30 seconds times 40 sets by you know the the fourth cycle of this thing we're going to go back and retest and i guarantee muscle endurance in the quads is going to be less of a limitation yes so yeah, that that'd be the last example going from uh, map five to one. I like that. I love playing, especially when it gets very challenging to actually make improvements on call it, you know, 30 sets of 30 second intervals. Like you're not going to go up a full RPM mm -hmm. from week one to week two to week three. I love incremental work yep. in there where it's like, you know, we're going 10 sets for 30 seconds. First three are at 80 RPM. Next three are at 81. Three after that are 82. Then we're going to go back down to 80, 81, 82. Yeah, yeah. And we're going to do that. And eventually we're going to go 81, 82, 83. Yep. There's just so much fun to have inside of that mm -hmm. kind of work. Yeah. Wave, wave loading, right? <sighs> I really like cyclical intervals. Yeah, they're fun. They are. Yeah. So we've increased volume. We have an increased pace. We have gone map five to one. Any other ways that one would progress the assault bike? There's a lot of ways, yeah. But this, these are the ones that I they're wanted the ones to hit on today. Yeah, today. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, a lot of ways. We didn't even dig into like uh, messing around with rest and stuff like mm -hmm. that. I just wanted to keep it super simple today. Um, maybe we do like a, a part two of like more advanced techniques. Um, I just don't think those are like people could progress for a really, really long time with these four or five different techniques and progression. Yeah. Let's, uh, just take a couple minutes to talk about why you would or wouldn't focus on improving the 10 minute assault bike. Because for some people, they come into the gym, you do that 10 minute assault bike test with them initially to get some insight. And then maybe you retest it once a year. Maybe you don't even do that because they're mm -hmm. seeing improvements and they're feeling great. And they might like have some anxiety around doing yeah, that yeah. test and may just like have no desire to get back on that bike and do it. Whereas some other people, you may want to test it on a more regular basis and have that be a FME along with some other pieces that you're revisiting time and time again. And I'm not talking about a performance-based person who's training to compete at a high level in anything. I'm just talking about your average person who wants to get fit. So how does a coach decide, is the 10 minute assault bike something I'm going to go after with my client on a regular basis? Yeah, it's just so safe, right? Because it's so safe, I wouldn't, let's, let's take uh, performance goals out of it because I don't know if there's any, um, I don't know if there's any 10 minute assault bike competitions. I don't um, think so. <laughs> so let's take performance goals out of it. Um, for it's it's just such a safe test for for everyone um and the only on you hit the, the the thing that i would have said in terms of like why wouldn't you do it i wouldn't do it if it uh you know brings a great level of anxiety and stress and all that stuff to someone 
um, there's no point, right? Like with the, with the understanding that there's no performance goals attached to this thing, I would just pick something else for them. Um, or I'd have a conversation and ask where that anxiety is coming from. Is the anxiety on how the test feels? Is the anxiety around, um, your score on the test and you don't think that score is good enough? Um, I don't know. Right. Um, but I think that would be the biggest thing of like, or the biggest reason why I would stay away from it for anyone, but gosh, it's just, it's, it's safe. So I love it. Yeah. Agreed. Completely agree. Uh, if you have a good relationship with your clients, they're probably going to communicate that with you Mm -hmm. as to whether it is something they do or do not want to do. And not just like, Oh, I don't want to do it because it's going to hurt, but I don't want to do it because this is causing me a great deal of stress that Mm -hmm. I don't want to have around training. Yeah. It's like the first time they jumped on that bike, did they ask you what's a good score? Fucking hate that question. Mm -hmm. I hate that question. What's a good score? It's like, I don't know. Like, have you done this before? Yeah. Okay. What was that score the last time you did it? That was a good score for you. Let's beat that. Right. Um, you know, what if your client did ask you that question? What is a good score? And you're like, well, like 160 calories is pretty good. And they get like 110 and they're like, oh my God, I suck. Right. Maybe their anxiety is around you telling them that 160 is a good score because you had like this competitive athlete client that hit 160 15 years ago or something like that. I don't know. Um, so if it's, if it's around scoring and all of that, that's why I don't love the conversation of what's a good score. Yeah. I think we can back room, like compare clients and stuff like that, just to like gauge like abilities and work capacity and have those conversations with the right clients when we look at like body weight calculators and stuff like that. But, um, I wouldn't let that be the uh, end all be all for, for our clients. No. And espe- like, unless it is someone who's training for functional fitness competition and like you've got an idea of your head of what you know it takes to be at an elite level of fitness and I know James has pulled so much data on Mm -hmm. what you know top athletes are putting out on the 10 minute assault bike like that makes sense to have a conversation there but if it is just your average Joe wants to look and feel good and be healthy making sure that they understand that the only good score is the one that they put out um, and the only point of reference is their previous scores on that test yeah. uh, it's all relative to them yeah definitely should we go do 10 minute assault bike yeah let's go knock that out real quick just a casual uh, yeah. afternoon yeah. i have a little anxiety thinking about getting on that thing right do now yeah, yeah. It, it hurts yeah it's not comfortable yeah i don't want to feel that either no i'll do it soon though i haven't done it in two years yeah two years I've let me know when you're gonna now. do it maybe i'll do it with you okay it's a safe test yeah let's do it for sure Tomorrow? Not, not tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> no, not tomorrow. Yeah, we'll do it soon. Yeah, we'll do it soon. We'll let you guys know how we did. Yeah, when we get uh, when we get our backyard all wrapped up, come over. Perfect. Hit it there, and then we'll just jump, jump in the right pool. In. Yeah. Perfect. Well, guys, uh, thank you for listening. Make sure you go download that guide. And if you want to be an awesome coach, make sure you join CCP. Uh, yeah. As always. Yep. And uh, we'll see you next week. See you next week, guys. Bye. Bye.